As you know, this book is the Apostle Paul's love letter of joy to the Philippian church, and Paul's writing it from a place of incarceration. He's under house arrest. He's in chains. And you would think he has every reason in the world to have an attitude and be grumpy. Anybody ever been there? You looked at your day. You looked at the people you had to deal with. You look at the person you wake up next to. No, I'm just kidding. And you just think, I'm, I, I have a right to be grumpy today. And Paul had a whole things to be grumpy about, but he chose to be joyful. Amen. We're, we're digging in deeper to this topic and seeing that no matter what's going on in our lives, we can have joy. And Paul proves that all throughout the book of Philippians. He knows he's headed for martyrdom. The Romans are going to take his life. and He's going to lay himself down for the gospel's sake. But he does every step of it with joy in his heart. Amen. And so let's look at Philippians chapter 4 today. I'm going to read verses 6 through 9. Let me thank God for the word, and then we'll jump right in. Father, this morning, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this book of Philippians written by this man that you you hand-selected and chose, Lord. And, Father, we are hand-selected and chosen as well. Father, teach us to have peace in every circumstance and to have the joy of the Lord, which is our strength, as Paul models for us here in Philippians 4. We thank you for his example, and we thank you for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that we could do the same things, Lord. We thank you in advance for working these principles into our life. In Jesus' name, and the church said, Philippians 4, verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Listen to this, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension or understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, listen to this, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worth of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, Paul speaking, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. How many would just like to say, I would like the God of peace to be with me, amen, in my life, in my walk, in my daily messes? Anybody? Here's Paul. He's in a mess. He's in chains. He's headed for martyrdom. They're trying to railroad him. He's giving an account of his faith. He has to give a defense of his faith to all these leaders, all these stuffed shirts, all these people that don't know God, and he has to give a defense, but he does it with joy and with respect and with the hope that they would accept the gospel. We start off in verse 6 here, and it's a powerful command to every believer. It's just really simplistic, and verse 6 says, be anxious for nothing. Now, how many would agree that's easier said than done? It's funny, I'm preaching on this, and this week I had, you know, I had things come into my life that would make anyone anxious. And between service, my wife called me and said, uh, you know, my family's not feeling well, I'm not coming today, and I got a flat tire. So that, you know, I'm like, we get to practice this right in the middle of the message. 
So, you know, there are always things that are going to come to us. And Paul's saying here something that sounds great. It's really simplistic, but be anxious for nothing. Now, anxiety is an issue that, you know, all of us face, and it's a really big problem in our world today. Do you realize how many people struggle with deep anxiety to the point that they need medication just to keep it together? Now, listen, they're not faking it. It's not pretend. It's not that, well, they're just weak. or they're, they're, And many of them are Christians and believers and love Jesus, and yet anxiety has overwhelmed them. We have to be compassionate to, to people who deal with this stuff, not judgmental. Someone say amen. You know, as a young person, many times you just kind of flow through life, but when you get older and you get more responsibility, sometimes anxiety visits you. I remember being overwhelmed about things in my 30s and 40s and just dealing with people and situations. I'll never forget one time just being overwhelmed with anxiety, dealing with a particular person that, you know, my blood pressure would go up and my lips would start to tingle. Anyone been there? You know that person too. And you're just like, Lord, what is this? And then all of a sudden you begin to feel compassion for people who deal with that. And the word is so simple here, but when we look at this word, be anxious for nothing, if we go to the Greek with that word that's translated anxious in the English, we see that it's the Greek word merimano, and it means to be careful, to be anxious, or to take thought of. And the implication is here is that we take so much thought about something that emotionally and mentally it overwhelms us. Where are my overthinkers out there? Right, amen? Where you could take one little molehill and turn it into a mountain range. Not just a mountain. We got the Andes here. We got the Rockies. One little thing that, you know, we get overwhelmed by this stuff and it it touches our lives and, and we take thought. We're careful. We're anxious. What really Paul is expressing here is that we find ourselves in a state where we're overly concerned about our own well-being and we forget about the goodness and faithfulness of God. We become so introspective about how this affects us and what this this means and, and this stress and this anxiety and this doctor's report and this financial statement. And we're overwhelmed to the point where we're thinking so much about our issue that we forget how good God has been to us. You see, the truth of us, we've all faced things, and we're all going to face things, but the truth is we're sitting here today, and God has gotten us through these things and delivered us and been faithful to us every single time. You know, if it was bottom of the ninth and the base is loaded and Jesus was getting up, would you be concerned? I don't know, I don't know if Jesus can hit the curveball here, you know, he's... That's a good slider. There's a knuckle. This guy's a knuckleballer. No, you know, we need to put faith in God. He's batting a thousand for you this morning. Amen. He's never let you down. Come on, I wish there were some Christians here who'd say amen. If God's been good to you, he's been good to you. The devil picked you out. He singled you out like a weak little, you know, the weak little, uh, you know, animal in the herd. You see the lion goes after the weak one. The, the herd moves off and the little one's in there. Here comes the lion. All right, y'all. Lines like, I got to eat too. But you know what? The enemy singles us out. Yet somehow, some way, God is good to us. We make it every single time. 
So when trouble comes, when anxiety comes, when the, the financial statement's not good, when the doctor's report is not a good report, we need to stand on the faithfulness of God and not overthink things to the point where we allow ourselves to be undone. Paul very simply says, be anxious for nothing. And that means trusting God. Now we're going to explore this a little bit. All of us have been anxious about certain things at certain times. It doesn't make us less spiritual that we're overwhelmed by life sometimes. Most of us have experienced mild stress, mild anxiety, you know, just a, a whole bunch of balls up in the air, a whole bunch of problems to deal with, you know, Monday, right? That's just life. Anybody have a stress-free, carefree, you know, no problem life? I want to see your list of medications, no, it's just that mild stress level that all of us deal with who are adults, amen. That's why you look at kids and you're like, oh, you got it so good. You don't have to get up. You don't have to go to work. You don't have to pay taxes. You don't have to. Kids. But once we're adults, once, you know, we, we take our place in the kingdom of God and in this world, the stresses of life, they'll, they'll touch us and we all deal with mild stresses that can call cause anxiety and from time to time in life we deal with things that are dropped in our laps that can make us com come completely unglued has anyone ever dealt with a life issue that was so overwhelming you, you know anxiety was right there the moment you heard it it's like your face flushed your you know your adrenaline shot out and you're just kind of numb in the moment anyone ever been there these things happen in life and uh, even the best of us come unglued at times. Now, God's word addresses the very real and relevant topic of anxiety because it's something we all deal with, and it, it provides us powerful wisdom here in the text for us to deal with anxiety at any level. Now, the wisdom is this. Being anxious or not is ultimately our choice. I'm going to let that settle in for a second. Being anxious or not is ultimately our choice. And once we understand that it's our choice, we can learn to choose not to be anxious. Do you know there's certain things in life that if we had the decision, we would say, well, I'm not going to participate in that. Anybody? The government says, well, we're raising taxes. Well, I'm not participating. <laughs> they post a new speed limit and say it's 10 miles an hour. I'm not participating. You got to do this and you got to do that. And we're regulating this and we're doing that. and We're taxing this. I'm not, we, and, and, you know, we don't get that choice in, in, in the world we live in. You know, if you choose not to do that, you get new accommodations called the federal penitentiary. Just try not paying your taxes. We're free. Yeah, try not paying your land taxes. They'll take your house. Try not paying your, you'll wind up in a cage. But in the kingdom, we do get a choice to say, I'm not participating in that. Come on, follow me today. Follow me today. You see, when the devil tries to throw fear on you, well, I'm not participating in fear. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. He's given me a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So when it comes to fear, I'm not participating in fear. Well, you know, well, I'm going to overwhelm you with stress. Well, I'm not participating in that because the word tells me not to be anxious for anything. So I choose not to let anxiety take hold of my heart. Say, Pastor, is it? really as simple as that it's really as simple as that 
Now, it's a process to work through, and we've got to get to the place where we can implement these things. And practice makes perfect. How many would say things that used to freak you out 10, 20 years ago don't even bother you anymore? Come on. Things that, you oh, how am I going to do? I never forget one time I got a bill for something. Kim and I were newly married, and it was, it was like, uh, just, it was like $200 bill. And I looked at it, and I started to stutter. Uh, 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 uh. And I said, how am I going to pay for that? And my loving wife just laughed at me. She fell over holding her stomach because I was, you know, stammering over a bill. Now, bills, I don't, bills, I don't care. God takes care. God provides. God has never let me down. So it's with this mileage, it's with this maturity that we come to the place where we can choose, well, I'm not going to participate in that. I'm not going to give in to anxiety. Matthew 25, 6 gives us a simple uh, formula to stop anxiety from taking hold of our lives. It says this, for this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Amen? So we simply don't allow these things to overwhelm us. Why? Because God has promised to supply the necessities of life. And if God has promised to take care of us, to keep us fed, to keep us clothed, to keep us warm and dry, to always love us, really, what do we have to be anxious about? When we come to the place where we have complete confidence in God, that disarms anxiety in our lives. And, you know, I learned how to deal with this on a really... uh, just a practical level from another brother in the Lord. We were sitting down. We were both married men. We were both involved in ministry. We had a lot of sh- common stressors on our lives, uh, you know, deal, things to deal with, uh, you know, uh, just life. And I was sitting here talking with this guy, and I asked him, how do you deal with this? How do you deal with that? And he answered me, and he said, oh, I just don't let that bother me. And I sat there for a minute, and then, And, and the Holy Spirit was like, duh. It's as simple as that. And I'm looking at this guy, and he had the same things going on, and he, wasn't, he didn't have a care in the world. So I'm like, if he can do that, I can do that. See, it was a model for me, and the light went on, and, and I realized that, you know what, I don't have to let these things bother me. And since then, I haven't let a lot of things bother me. Now, don't get me wrong, I still got some things that bother me. Anybody got triggers? Yeah, the enemy knows what they are, and there's no shortage of people to trigger you. So we've all got to deal with these things, but it is a choice. In the end, we choose whether or not we're going to be anxious. We choose whether or not we're going to let these things overwhelm us or we're going to trust God. Now, the second half of verse 6 kind of lays out exactly how we do that. This is what I love about the Word of God. When you dig into it, it'll say some things that almost seem outlandish. Be anxious for nothing. And you're like, what? Yeah, how do I do that? And it's like, well, I'm so glad you asked. The second half of the verse tells you how. It says, but in everything, say everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Did you hear that? Prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. 
So there's the formula right there of how to deal with anxiety when it comes. You know, because when anxiety comes, it, it, it just comes out of nowhere a lot of times, and it blows right up in our face, and all of a sudden, we're overwhelmed. It's kind of like someone takes a grenade, pulls the pin, and dumps it in your lap. You got to do something with that. And the enemy does it all the time. And boom, the report comes, the, the person comes, the lawsuit comes, the, 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 uh, you know, the doctor's report, whatever it is. And the anxiety hits us and it's overwhelming. And we're, and we're, we're a little numb and we're trying to get our balance. Now, I want to I tell you one thing. God gives us a minute. You're allowed to freak out a little bit. This is for somebody this morning. You don't have to get it perfect. You don't have to immediately, you know, you know, the immediately comes and you, you break into song before the Lord. We're human. We're, we're flesh and bones, amen. And we're allowed. God gives us a minute to freak out a little bit, but then how quickly we snap back into line and stand in faith determines if we're really mature or not. Amen. So even the best of us will come unglued at moments. But understand something. God wants to teach us to be mature, to not respond in fear, not respond in in terror, but to respond in faith and to stand in faith and to speak the word of the Lord over our situation and to say what God says, not what we think or what we feel or what the enemy says or what the world says. Amen? So it's a choice, and we got to make that choice. And and it, it starts... You know, the word is addressing this here, but really what this whole idea of prayer uh, and and supplication and all of that stuff, we got to dig into there, understand how that works. The minute that something blows up and we're anxious about it, we've got to get to the place of prayer. We've got to have an urgency, you know, to get to the place of prayer. Because the longer we think about it, the longer we ask other people's opinion, the longer we go to the world, the the more messed up our response is going to be. Do you know about being anxious to get to a certain place? Anyone ever had like three big gulps and was caught in traffic? And you're in a line of cars, and there ain't a bathroom in sight. Next rest stop, 43 miles. Anxious to get to a certain place. That's how we need to be about getting to the place of prayer when something blows up in our lives and it causes anxiety, amen? We've got to run to the secret place. We've got to get to the place of prayer. We've got to shut out all the distractions and all the voices and all the opinions and get before God. Prayer is the place where we have a mutual exchange with God, where we speak to him and he speaks to us, and there's a, there's a connection there. That's what prayer is. Prayer isn't coming in to the presence of God and mumbling some scripted prayer over and over again a specific amount of times, and your heart's not engaged, your soul's not engaged, your mind's not even engaged. That's not prayer. Prayer is a mutual exchange where I can bring my heart before the Lord and he can share his heart with me and it'll make all the difference in my situation. So once we have anxiety in our life, we've got to come to the place of prayer and bring it there. And we, we, we just, we come before the Lord and we get in his presence. 
Now, if you don't know how to do that, get yourself in a spot where there, here, get yourself in a spot where there's nobody else. And bow down on your knees and fold your hands in front of your face and begin to talk to God. You say, what will happen? He'll begin to talk back. You say, am I going to hear an audible voice? I don't know, but he's going to speak to your heart. And he's going to drop ideas into your heart. You're going to open up the word, and it's going to speak to your life. God is going to begin to connect with you if you reach out to connect with him. So are you anxious today? Get in the place of prayer. Number two, by everything by prayer and supplication. So supplication is not a word that we commonly use. Anyone use supplication in a sentence this week? Anyone supplicating here? Any supplicators in the house? Pastor Mike, you're a supplicator. We got these Bible words. We got to dig into them a little bit, understand them. Supplication simply means requests. So when we come into the presence of God, we get before him and we connect with him, but then we bring our requests to him. Anybody have a problem asking God for what you need? Married people, sometimes they don't communicate well. They don't ask their spouse for what they need. That's dysfunction. When we do that with God, it's the same dysfunction. Sure, prayer is great. Sure, connecting with God is great. Sure, feeling his presence is incredible. But we've got to then articulate what's on our heart and tell him what we need. Did you ever see a child that gets hurt? And they're hurt bad. Maybe they got, you know, they fell and bloodied their lip or their nose or they, they hurt, you know, their fingers. I've seen people fall off the monkey bars when I was in school and break their arms and they got like some crazy arm like this. What's the first thing that a child does when they get hurt? They go running after who? Mom. They run right past their dad. I'm going to time for you right now. And they run right to mom. And I've seen children run to their mothers and I've seen, you know, Children crying and screaming and go to the mother. Have you ever seen a kid crying so bad, runs to mom, gets in mom's arm, and the kid is in total vapor lock? They're just like, <laughs> you know, and their little tongues are quivering, and they're shaking, but nothing's coming out. And I'd often see that, and I'd be like, you know, spit it out. What's in the dad's going, what's the, what's the matter with him? What? And the mom's like, baby, what's the matter? And he's like, <laughs> just quivering. You know, until that child tells mom what's going on, mom can comfort them, but she can't solve the issue. If all we do is come into God's presence a hot mess and we just can't verbalize what's going on, he can comfort us, but he can't solve our anxiety until we articulate what it is. We've got to make a supplication. We've got to supplicate, Pastor Mike. So bring your request to the Lord. Uh, and you say, well, come on, Pastor. God knows everything. He's omniscient. He knows what's causing my anxiety. Yes, but he also told us that we have to ask. He knows everything. But think about that. Walk that logic out. Well, God knows everything, so I'm not going to talk to him at all. I'm just going to show up in his presence and go, Leonardi, reporting for duty. And he knows everything, and we're just going to stand there for a little while. Is that a way to build relationship with God? That's creepy. God's like, what are you doing? Well, you know everything, so why should I say it? Because I want you to build intimacy with me. I want you to express your heart. I want you to tell me how you feel. I love you. I care about you. I long to hear your voice. Wow. So beautiful. 
God asks us to come. Yeah, he knows everything, but according to James 4, 2 through 3, he wants us to say what we need. He wants to hear our request. This is what James 4, 2 and 3 says. You lust and you do not have, so you commit murder. This is heavy. And you are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Listen, you have not because you ask not. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend what you request on your pleasures. Powerful text there. The linchpin of that text is you have not because you ask not. And the reason we don't have what we need is because we don't ask God for it. And then the reason sometimes he doesn't answer our prayer the way we want is because our motives are wrong. Have you ever seen people with wrong motives? In your own life, you know, I'm not going to say, have you ever had wrong motives? Because then we'll all get self-righteous here. No, it's never happened to me before. But once upon a time, there's this person and, you know, they got wrong motives and they come to you and they're so friendly and they're so nice and they want to talk to you, but they want something from you. You see, God's, God's omniscient, God sees through everything. He knows what our motive is. And when our motives are wrong, he loves us enough to correct us. Why? Because if he gives us what we request and we have a wrong heart, it's not going to benefit us. So we have to pray and get into his presence. We have to bring our requests before him and we have to articulate. Don't be like that screaming child in vapor lock where all you do is get in God's presence. And Asking does two things. Number one, it builds relationship. And number two, it reveals our motives. That's the point of the whole drill here. This is why God allows things to visit our lives that cause anxiety. So, because let's face it, let's be honest on Sunday morning. When everything's going good, sometimes the last place we find ourselves is on our knees before God. But the minute it hits the fan, that, that's exactly where most of us will run to. Maybe once we've tried everything else. What Winston Churchill said about Americans. He said, You can always count on America, Americans to do the right thing once they've tried everything else. It's a little true. Say, Out your amen. But God is calling us to relationship. He wants us to articulate our needs, the things that are causing us anxiety. And he wants to reveal to us our motives so that we can have a better connection with him and so that our prayers can be prayers that he can answer. So we're continuing here with prayer and supplication. We're getting it. We come into his presence. We tell him what's going on. And number three, uh, kind of a formula here, but, you know, it's saying be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Listen, with thanksgiving. Say thanksgiving. Say thanksgiving like it was thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. I mean, obviously, there's Christmas. Thanksgiving, I love Thanksgiving, but Thanksgiving is not a once a day, you know, uh, eat the turkey, watch football. No, Thanksgiving for the Christian needs to be a lifestyle. That we need to be thankful all the times and just expressing gratitude towards the Lord. You know, what happened here today in worship as the worship team played the songs that the Holy Spirit laid on their heart? If you notice this morning, they mesh exactly with the message I'm preaching this morning. As I was in second service and I'm worshiping, I'm like, oh, oh, ah, you know, point three, that, oh, look at that. You know, it's like, oh, well, did you guys have a meeting together and get together? No, that's the Holy Spirit. 
And so we got so much to be thankful for. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is orchestrating everything in our life to build us up, to draw us closer to God, to bless us, to give us a hope and a future. Man, I wish there were some Christians here this morning. What he's doing for you. So Thanksgiving is a lifestyle, and you and I need to let, you know, Thanksgiving be the thing that when anxiety comes, we smother it with Thanksgiving, amen? We, we, it's just like, you know, it's this little thing coming at us, and the tidal wave of thanks that's coming out of our hearts just drowns it. Have you ever heard that, that expression, that cliche, I'm too blessed to be stressed? Come on, I want you to say that this morning. That was much better than first service, but I'm going to give you one more try. Say Yeah, you said it like you mean it. You know what the truth of that is really not a cliche. In my life, I found it to be the truth. God has been so good to me. He's been so gracious to me. He's been so patient with me. Come on this morning. And he has been with you too. And there is no reason that we shouldn't be thankful all the time. And let me tell you something about Thanksgiving. You know, it might take a little while to get the flow started with the Thanksgiving, you know, but you once you get going with being thankful, I mean, it flows. It, you ever notice when you're angry, you get a flow going? You kind of get lathered up. You start saying this and saying that and blaming this one and calling out this one, and it's the government's fault, and my mother didn't hug me, and woo, I'm on a roll here. The truth is the same thing happens with Thanksgiving. Gucci, when stuff visits my life, I've been learning just to hit it with a wave of Thanksgiving. Just to begin to say, I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my sons. I'm thankful for the call of God on my life. I'm thankful for the anointing. I'm thankful for my church family. I'm thankful for my friends. And you begin to get going, man. And start when the flow gets going, man, stuff starts coming up. Oh, I didn't even know that was in there. And when, oh, I'm thankful for that too. And boy, I'm really rolling good now. And just let it go. And, and being thankful, listen, anxiety cannot live in the presence of a thankful heart. You know, if we just want, well, I got problems, can you pray for me? And you just want people to lay hands on you and it go away, that doesn't build relationship with God. But the stuff I'm telling you right now, if we will dare to do it, the next time you're overwhelmed, the next time you got the letter in the mail, the next time you get a bad report, just begin to thank God and get the flow going in your life. I guarantee you, you'll change the atmosphere of the situation. And when you're done, you won't know where the anxiety went. We can go the other way with this. And we're going to see that, you know, it's our choice of what we're going to do. Are we going to allow anxiety to take root in us, or are we going to be able to just, you know, drive it away with a thankful heart? Now, verse 7 shows the fruit of what will happen in our life if we do the things that verse 6 suggests, if we will pray, if we will come to God and just bring our requests to him, uh, you know, if we will have thankful hearts, then verse 7 will happen in our lives. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. How many would like to sign up for this program? Right? The peace of God you know, will come into your life, what? And it will, this is so cool. It will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Why is it important that the word tells us it will guard our heart and our mind? I'll tell you why. Because how does anxiety get in us? Heart and mind. When the, when the, when the anxiety is trying to take hold of your life, it's going to start, the battle begins in the mind. 
And the enemy will come to you and the circumstances will come to you and your own negative attitude will come to you and start rehearsing all the reasons why this ain't going to end well. You ever been there? And you're having this conversation with yourself and, you know, and your mind is under attack. And instead of just speaking the word of the Lord, instead of just rising up a standard of thanksgiving, we begin to agree with the enemy. Oh, this is bad. This is not good. There's no way out of this. I could never pay this off. You know, you know the doctors can't do it. And, and all of a sudden, we're agreeing with the bad report. And guess what? Anxiety is going to take a tight grip on our heart if it defeats our mind. So notice where the, the peace of God here, it, it comes and it, it bolsters what? The heart and the mind because those are the points where the enemy is trying to get into us to make us anxious. And so, you know, really what we got to look at here is that this is the promised fruit of doing what verse 6 says, that we're going to have the peace of God that passes all understanding. Now, the peace of God sometimes comes instantly, and sometimes we got to wait for a little bit. How many like when the peace of God comes instantly? How many people like instant stuff? Where are my people that pace in front of the microwave? Amen. Like, it's been three seconds already. What? What is this? You know, you're at, you're at the fast food lot beeping. This is fast food. This is, don't, do you, do you like this stuff now? They make you go park in a spot to wait for some, I'm like, what? Park in a spot. I could go up the deep end here, but I'm, We like things fast, but sometimes we have to wait for the peace of God that passes all understanding. We have to stand in faith. You know what? Often when we're young and we're immature, God does some instant stuff for us to build our faith. But when we get young, older, and a little bit more mature, sometimes he says, you know what? Stand still, shut up, and trust me. Well, that's the way he talks to me. I don't know. You know, so I'm just like, all right, here we go. Gonna wait on the Lord here. Lord, it's been, it ain't been 10 seconds. It ain't been 10 minutes. There's been things that have been 10 years. But he says, stand fast, hold the line, keep the last standing order. What did I tell you to do? Do it. Do it with all your might. Do it with all your strength. And then before you know it, God comes through. God breaks through. But God's peace will come. So we got to understand. Now, notice that the fruit of doing verse 6 was not happiness. You know, people think, well, I just want to be happy. I just want to have a happy life. I just want to do the things that make me happy. Happiness depends on what's happening. How many understand that there's sometimes the things that are happening around us are not encouraging? The things that are actually happening. Now, now some people say, well, just deny it. Just pretend it's not happening. No, that doesn't work. Sometimes what's going on around, hey, if you think we're in a happy, clappy, goosebumpy kind of world, why don't you just watch cable news for a couple days straight? I said this to first service. If you really want to, if you really want to see, you know, what, what's happening and you immerse yourself in it, I almost guarantee you're going to come out on the other side of that immersion depressed. Because when we focus on what's going on in the world around us and we, we don't get connected to the heartbeat of heaven and what's going on in the kingdom of God, sometimes it's not happy. So happiness depends on what's happening, but the peace of God doesn't depend on anything. 
God can give you peace in any situation. He can give you peace in the hospital bed. He can give you peace in the doctor's office. He can give you peace, you know, at the court when the judgment's against you. Bang! I've seen people locked up in prison had more peace than people who were supposedly free. How is that possible? It's because the peace of God transcends, is above, is bigger than all comprehension. It doesn't depend on what's happening. It depends on God, and he can give us peace like he gave Paul peace, even though he was headed for Roman execution. He had the love of God and the joy of the Lord spilling out of his life. So it's not happiness, it's peace. Let's look at God's peace here. God's peace is bigger than worldly wisdom and human emotion. Why? Because it says, which surpasses all comprehension. Do you know what that looks like in the real world? That's when you have peace and you shouldn't. Anyone, anyone ever been in a mess, buried alive, had a lot of things, circumstances, but somehow, some way, God just touched you and you had peace to the point where people are going, what's the matter with you? Are you, do, you, do you understand what this means? Did you read the letter? Did you hear the report? Yeah, I understood it. Yeah, I read it, but I got the peace of God. And no, it doesn't make sense, but he gave it to me as a gift. And so I'm not stressed out. I'm not anxious. I'm not overwhelmed. God's peace is bigger than human emotion. Doesn't matter what we're feeling, amen. Doesn't matter what it looks like in the natural. God's peace is a protective covering for us. Look at this. We'll guard your hearts and minds, amen. So I want you to think of God's peace as a covering. A covering from what? All the stresses and troubles and accusations of life, all the flaming darts of the enemy that he shoots at us constantly, like the breastplate of righteousness, this covering covers our, what, our hearts and minds. Think about that. What are our most vulnerable areas? Our, our head and our core. You can get shot in a lot of places, but not your head and your core. Understand, God wants to protect us from the stresses of life. Well, can he just make them all go away? No, not and produce maturity in us. Can he just do it all for me without me asking? Not without, not, and build relationship with us. But he wants to protect us. So look, it surpasses all human comprehension. It doesn't make sense, but it's a gift. It'll guard our hearts and minds, so it'll keep us uh, strong in the places where we can repel anxiety. And number three, God's peace comes to us by way of relationship. Look what it says there. It guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. If you want the peace of God, if you want to be able to overcome the things of the world, specifically anxiety, and you don't want a relationship with Jesus Christ, good luck. I don't understand how people make it a day without Jesus. Do you realize how hard their hearts and their minds have to be seared? Do you imagine how, how their emotions are constantly destroyed to live a life in this world without any hope? We need to have compassion on those that don't know the Lord. We need to live in front of them and pray for them and believe God for their salvation. Because without Jesus, this world is brutal and it ends in death and hell is on the other side. The peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, we continue here with verse 8. How many like checklists? How many like formulas? 
punch list, you know, do this, do this, do this, right? Verse 8 is as close to that as we're going to get. Listen to what it says. Here's our checklist. Finally, brethren, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is of good repute or good report, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The word of God is telling us how to avoid allowing anxiety to grip us. We've got to look at the right things. We've got to have the right focus. This is a tough message this morning. First, we're talking about anxiety, and most of us have it. Now we're talking about focus in the ADD generation. You know, a lot of us have a hard time focusing. Anybody? The people who aren't looking at me now, they're like, ooh, something pretty. You know, shiny. They just shine lights on me at the end of the message, so I'll just stop preaching. But we get distracted by everything, and verse 8 is all about focus. It's like, you know, whatever's true, so we got to stay away from the lies, whatever's honorable. So the things that are sinful and dishonorable, got to get rid of them. Whatever is right, whatever is pure, and on and on it goes. It gives us this checklist of what to focus on. And I know it's hard, but if we'll try, and if we'll really incline ourselves to do it, it's going to allow us to repel anxiety when it comes. Because it doesn't have an inlet into our lives. Show me someone who's successful, who's productive, who's emotionally stable, who's spiritually solid, and I will show you someone who is focused on the right things. You and I need to adjust our focus. If you're looking through a pair of binoculars, there's a little wheel in the middle that you have to move until everything comes into focus for your unique combination of cockeyed eyes. You got to adjust one side. What, anybody, anybody feeling? And then all of a sudden, it's crystal clear. Some of us are walking around like Mr. Magoo. Got to adjust the focus. I'm all over the place spiritually. I'm all over the map emotionally. I'm, a, I'm out of control. I'm a hot mess. Adjust your focus. All of us have to do that. Nobody can do that. For, oh, I'm smacking myself on the wrong side. You ever, you ever see when your kids are... You, your dad's like, hey, 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 focus. You know, when you're holding the flashlight for him, well, I got a good tangle in this sucker. It survived. You're trying to hold the flashlight for your dad, and he's trying to get the, it's freezing outside, trying to get the nut on the thing, and, he, and, you're, and you're like, focus. Sometimes I feel like that's God. He's like, and there's still some people looking at me like, focus. On what? On the right stuff. Well, tell us what it is. The, the, the verse 8 just did. And we got the Holy Spirit with us going, no, 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 over here, not over there. It's almost like if we're really trying, it's almost hard to mess this up. I'm going to close down with verse 9 here. After we've talked about anxiety and focus and all these things we have a hard time with, Paul says this in verse 9. It's kind of a reiteration of some things he said in other parts of Philippians. But he says this, The things you have learned and received and heard and have seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Remember I said in another message that we should aspire to be a role model of the faith for others. Once again, Paul is saying, you know, Follow me as I follow Christ. Do what I do. I'm a safe role model to follow. He's saying that same thing. He's saying what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice 
these things. Did you know Paul was the first supermodel? It wasn't Cindy Crawford. No, it was Paul. He was saying, I'm a, I'm a model of Christ that you can follow. And, and if you see me do it, you can do it. Wow, what a statement that is to make. Amen. The confidence in saying that. You know, and if it wasn't true, God wouldn't have allowed it to be in the word. Amen. So Paul would say, follow me. And, fo-, and the scribe is going, I ain't writing that down. But no, it was true. So the things we learned and received and heard and seen Paul doing, our greatest example is Jesus Christ. We can follow his example. And then a human example, the Apostle Paul. And all of these people, the great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us that we can model and learn from their mistakes, amen? We really have great examples to follow. We can't be walking around in the body of Christ going, I don't know how to do this. I know how this works. I don't know what to do. We've got a lot of examples to follow. And so I encourage you today, if you're struggling with anxiety, if your focus is all over the place, learn to pray and make your request known to God and be thankful. Learn to drown anxiety with a thankful heart, just with an avalanche of thanks coming out of your mouth to the point where anxiety doesn't have a chance to grab hold of you, where it can't get traction in your mind, where it can't get a hold of your heart. Learn to understand we have a great example to follow in Jesus and in Paul and in all those in the faith who are more mature than us who are living right and walking right. There's still those people on the earth, and we should aspire to be one of them. So let's bow our heads this morning. Father, I thank you this morning for the word. I thank you for the relevance of it. Father, I know that through the Holy Spirit, you have made all of this applicable to us we live in a world that's anxious that's overwhelmed that's medicated but you've given us a greater hope that we would have the peace of god so father i pray for my brothers and sisters today where they're overwhelmed where they're anxious where the enemy is trying to steal their joy and rob their peace father i pray for the peace of god to fall upon us and even though it doesn't make sense, we would have the, the peace of God, the love of God, the joy of the Lord, and it would be strength for us. That other people would see it in us, and they would be attracted to it, and we could share Jesus with them because of it. Be anxious for nothing. We aspire to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Give him praise.